Have you ever been so unhappy that you've used food and sleep to escape? That was me a few years ago. I was so unhappy with my job and my life as a whole that I used to pretty much set an alarm for just before 5pm every single day, just before my lovely wife Zainab would come home and I would literally rush out of bed, do the dishes and pretend like I'd been up for the entire day. The most visible aspect of this was my weight. Weighing in at over 80 kilos and on the brink of being obese, it's fair to say I wasn't exactly in the best shape of my life. So I took action and I addressed what I thought was the easiest thing to do, and that was the weight. So I began going to a gym, and I now have a job that I absolutely love. However, in the process of losing all that weight, my mindset changed. A combination of my desire to ensure that nobody ever goes through what I've been through, and my own love for cars, I present to you the Behind the Wheel podcast, a place to occasionally hear from people who work with and or own some pretty cool cars, to hear how they've got to where they are in the pursuit of inspiring you to take the steps you need to build a life based on your passion. Hello and welcome to the Behind the Wheel podcast, uh, the culmination of my own passion for cars, as well as my own desire to make sure that no one's ever gone through what I've gone through in my life, um, being being um, being overweight, being unhealthy, um, and moving to a place where I now love what I do, and obviously um, sort of benefiting from from my own kind of um, experiences of. Uh, mental health and 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 getting to where I'm right now. Um, I'm so so delighted to welcome Chiro to the podcast today. Chiro, welcome. Hey Mo, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely, my pleasure. Absolutely, my pleasure. Um, I want to. I've started doing something new with all my guests, which is asking. Firstly, uh, what is Chiro's dream five car garage look like? Dream five car garage. Okay. So I love classic cars. I love American. I love supercars, obviously, and the hypercars. I think the the top one for me has always been driven by the Lamborghini Countach that was on my wall, and the modern day yep. version of that happened to be a Lamborghini Aventador Roadster. So that's that's the top one because that okay. is in some ways obtainable. But where you talk about the dream cars in the garage that then goes into the realm of unobtainable in what I foresee in my future. I would say it's a difficult one between at the hypercar status, the Koenigsegg, Bugatti and Pagani, because they're all very different cars. But yeah. I feel that Horatio's story is so much aligned similarly to Ferruccio's story, which is what I love about Lamborghini and Ferruccio, etc. is that it would have to be the um, Pagani Huayra, um, as yeah. uh, Roadster as the second one then I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have owned several cars over the time and my least favourite of the cars that I ever owned was a Vauxhall Vectra so we won't go there that was an estate but in terms <laughs> of the last three in the garage it's to mix it up really I think it has to be a 1960 Cadillac um, because we had one for our wedding as our wedding car and it was just absolutely nice. stunning. Nice. Um, I do believe the Corvette C8 has to be in there as well. Um, love the new mid-engine, rear-engine Corvette that's um, hitting the market in the UK at the moment. 
And then the final one is so difficult because I just love all cars. Um, it has to be the Hakasuka uh, original GTR. Oh, wow. Wow. They're very That's different cars there. Different, but... Yeah. 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 You've got a nice little mix there. You've got the, um, you got the, obviously the, 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 the American muscle as well as, uh, some of the more kind of exotic ones. Um, have you heard the story about um, about Lamborghini and how it? Um, I think I think the guy that set it up was uh, he was I think he was I think he was building um, tractors, I believe, and then he rocked up so, to Mister Ferrari and said, "Hey, listen, um, I want to I want your Mo, car to be more comfortable." Mo, I've had this story from Fabio Lamborghini and Valentino Balboni. I own two tractors, and there is a film been made by Hollywood, which will cover this actual subject. Oh, really? Uh, Antonio Banderas is playing Ferruccio Lamborghini. And no. I believe Baldwin is playing Enzo Ferrari. And it will... Ferruccio was an industrialist and he um, made his money with air conditioning units. And after the Second World War, all the American machinery that was left in Italy, he commandeered it, took it in and uh, built tractors out of it. And for the first time, like people could have a tractor uh, for their fields, etc. around Italy. It's similarly like with the Volkswagen being the people's car. This was the people's tractor. Yeah, yeah. And made it really affordable. And obviously made a lot of money. He uh, became very rich. He'd have Jaguar. He'd have a Ferrari. But the problem with the Ferrari was um, he had issues with it. And when he went back to Enzo, uh, Enzo was quite rude in that you're, you're a peasant tractor uh, builder. You <laughs> constantly that. Let me... Um, don't worry about my cars. He took the yeah. uh, car back to the factory and had his um, engineers have a look at it, strip it down, and they found that the clutch was exactly the same as the clutch they used on their tractors. However, oh. the tractor clutch was a meatier, stronger, more powerful version of what he had. So they put the tractor clutch in the Ferrari, fixed the problem, and he went back to Enzo and said, hey, I fixed the problem, I fixed the clutch, this is what it is. Enzo would not yeah, listen to him yeah. and uh, told him to uh, concentrate on his uh, tractors and leave the car building to him, at which point Ferruccio was, nah, I'll show you how to build a car. And over a bit of time, we've got the uh, GTV, the GTV that was unveiled at um, Geneva in 1963. That led to the 350 GT and the 450 GT uh, in 66, I believe. And then obviously that led on to the Mura which was the first supercar in the genre. That is phenomenal. It's such an amazing story. I mean, it, you know, um, for someone to say, you know what, I'm going to show you how to do it. And, and despite despite being told, you know what, go go back to doing what you normally do, which is make tractors, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to yeah, do it. Exactly. It's such an amazing Similarly, story. Similarly, when Horatio arrived in Italy with a letter from Fangio, the uh, F1 driver, uh, with a letter that he appeared at uh, Ferruccio's factory saying, you know, give this guy a chance. He's just in from Argentina. He's a car designer. Um, and Ferruccio took him in. And again, fast forward, uh, Horatio had this amazing idea about carbon fibre and Lamborghini's answer to him when he was trying to push the carbon fibre, I think this was mid-80s, uh, they were like, well, Ferrari's not using carbon fibre. We don't need to use carbon fibre. So Horatio oh. went out and bought his own autoclave and started his own carbon fiber company. And now it's everywhere. Like now it's like, you, know, exactly. you can't make a supercar without using carbon fiber, you know? 
Oh no, exactly, exactly. You got it in F1, and you know that was the pinnacle of carbon fiber use for the weight, the strength, um, and uh, there's a lot of development in that field. Oh, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm always, I'm always amazed by these kind of stories within the car space because it's just, it's just so, so interesting. Um, Chiro, tell us a little bit about you. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I've always worked. I've always been a family where we're work driven. And um, after finishing off uni, I went into financial um, financial work in around the London area. But at the same time, I was still helping the family out with our restaurant business at the time. Um, started a young family and then we had the opportunity here to buy the land where, where the hotel is and in 2006 we opened the hotel um 2007 with my passion for cars uh not having really been fed other than going to car shows i thought well we'll hold an italian car day here at the hotel we're an italian family we've got an italian themed hotel let's have an italian car day so 2007 was the very first and it's probably that's why with a lot of uh, the marketing I do, we brought petrol heads together since 2007. That small event maybe had three Ferraris, four Lamborghinis, uh, maybe 300 people. Uh, but yeah. the vibe, and we're, we're talking 14 years ago, the vibe was really, that was just a really nice, friendly event. We had a pig roast, uh, barbecue, and just brought people together. Did we make much money at that event? Not really, but it was just having something going on on a Sunday when we might not be that busy. Yeah. 2008, it grew, it doubled. 2009, it grew, it doubled again. But I had people complaining because their non-Italian cars were being parked behind the hotel in the field. So we 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 uh, introduced a classic car day. And then the year after that, I just uh, decided to introduce a supercar Sunday. Supercar Sunday grew, very first event, to the same size as the fourth Italian car and bike day immediately. And so oh, we had a calendar with three major car shows in it. And going forward to 2015-16, we had a calendar of nine major events, but they're all very different. So we had a breakfast meeting, we had a classic car day, we had an American day, we had an Italian day, we had Supercar Sunday, we had a charity day, um, and got this calendar with nine events. And I was trying to find an umbrella band for all the car shows here at Sharnbrook. And then in conversation with a friend of mine who had had invited me up to see his Pagani Huayra, that we mentioned, obviously, that being a dream car earlier, um, that day was just phenomenal. I drove up there in our Gallardo Spider that we owned at the time and had a great day checking out his car collection and the Huayra and being able to sit in it and everything. And I just messaged him after, go, thank you for this amazing day of petrol hedonism. And in that moment, I'd literally created a word that became my brand. <laughs> and where we are now... With the events here at the hotel and my location in Finden, we're, we're working with the Max Power Reunion. We're working with Tucked Automotive. We're uh, partnering up with the Warren Estate. I've got Petrol Hedonism Live at Nebworth. Where I am now, it's turned into a brand. And literally, merch store goes live in the next couple of weeks. And for the first time in my life, I see it as a big brand. I see it as a massive business. Yeah. And, um, it's very exciting. This year's crazy. I think what's amazing is um, what started off as a bit of a just a, a, a bit of fun, I guess, um, has now become something really, really big. And I suppose, I mean, is it is it fair to say that when it comes to thinking about what you want to do in life, generally, it's always important to start with, you know, what what do you really enjoy doing? Because I think I think that's often 
often overlooked when it comes to like career choices and 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 and, and stuff like that. Yeah, see, I've always been passionate about cars, but I never saw a way of making it something that I could earn from and something that I could yeah. support family on. Um, and it has literally been going since 2007 to now, but it's always been part of what the hotel business is. And it was just another yeah. income stream for the hotel. But what lockdown one taught me was that the hotel got closed and that literally stopped everything. So other yeah. than doing some live uh, streams, during lockdown with Instagram or Facebook and continuing to stay relevant. Um, it was a case of once we did reopen, we started the driving movies. The driving movies was open to everybody in any car, but having that great uh, social media base of yeah. car guys and car girls, um, that made the driving movies a success. Then we did the small car club events because of restrictions with COVID. So we'd have 30 people come from a BMW club or 30 people come from a Mustang club. And then that just proliferated forward to when we did start doing our events, uh, end of July, August, they were sold out because you had to book in advance and you had limited numbers. And then it grew into having a couple of collaborations. And so then all of a sudden I'm saying, hold on a minute, there's something in this because I've got the event know-how. I've got blueprints of how to run an event. So Sunday, for instance, we paired up with Empire and I ran the event. They organized the ticket sales. They organized the sponsors. And I hosted the event and the club and myself earned a little bit of money out of that, which is what we're in it for. And yep. also everybody came and had an awesome time out. And the rain stayed dry as well for, for the majority of it. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I mean, the, the, these ideas sound so cool. Where, where, where did you get your ideas from? <laughs> it's amazing how the mind works. I don't know. If I'm... I've got a phrase that we've coined that came from my friend Calvin and it's a hashtag on it. And it's very much something I use regularly. So anybody that follows me sees that, hears that regularly. Um, and literally you can have some down days and I know we're going to talk about mental health, etc. but when I'm on it, I literally won't let anything escape. And I sometimes yeah. write lists of things that come into my mind. Um, the ideas, I don't know, they just evolve. And But what I've learned is, and I've learned this in the last four years, sometimes talking openly about your ideas and talking to people close to you. And yeah. my, my eldest daughter, she's 16 now, she came up with the ambassador scheme for petrohedonism when she was like 12, 13 years old. She left it next to my bed one morning and said, Dad, I've had this great idea. And this wow. year, for instance, with everything that's going on, we went from 40 ambassadors to 130 ambassadors. And we're getting about wow. five new ambassadors a week. For the ambassador scheme, they get emails, they get invitations, they get exclusive event um, rights, they get um, information before anybody else gets it. Um, and it's just grown. But they also get merchandise included, a T-shirt, key ring. So yeah. for the £40 for two years, it's quite a great package. Um, and that was an idea that she came and then talking about it in family, we created the scheme. Um, and it just keeps evolving. But I think... You know, having people around you, the right people around you, and that's been a massive change for me in the last four or five years, um, really helps because I've got I've got about 40, 50 people that I can go to that I trust and we have a mutual kind of relationship where you, you don't want anything from each other. You just work yeah. together with the same direction and goal. Um, and I've been there where people have taken advantage of whether, whether it's my contacts or whether it's... Um, putting someone in contact and they, they have a great business together and you're kind of left on the outside sort of thing and forgotten about. But 
I think where things have progressed now, you're working mutually in the same way with a lot of people. And so just yeah. bouncing ideas off people or someone comes to you with an idea. And because of yeah. what I do, I can see straight through that and think, right, I've got that blueprint for that event. I've got that blueprint for that event, but they want this. How does it work? Now I've done weddings, yeah. over a thousand weddings in the last 14 years. And for me, every single oh, wedding yeah. is individual to that couple. But I ask them how they envisage their day, what they want, if there's anything different they want. Someone wanted an owl to fly the rings down the aisle to them. We made that happen. So, wow. again, with the collaborations with the car shows, similar. I'll sit down and speak to the guys at the Max Power reunion. Well, how do you want it to go? What do you want that's different? What can we do? How about we do this? And we're bringing ideas to the table. And the brainstorming is phenomenal when you get a variety of people together. It's amazing. And that's how yeah, Petroidism yeah. Live at Midworth, which is going to be the biggest event of my life. Um, we're looking at ten to 15,000 people a day. It's Nebworth. When I think of Nebworth, I think of Queen. I think of Robbie Williams. I think of Oasis. Yeah. But I'm doing that yeah. with cars. And I'm just like, mind blown. It's going to be amazing. You know what? It's, I mean, I've got, I've got a big belief. And I, you know, you know, when you've got a passion or a, or, a, or, a, or a vision for something, like tell people, I think people often feel quite shy about, you know, telling people about their ideas or their vision because they're scared that it will look stupid or whatever. But I've got a big belief that actually when you start telling people your, your vision or what you, want, what, what you want to achieve, somehow the universe works in your favour and actually brings people towards you. Um, and I think, I think that needs to be encouraged a lot more. Um, has that been your sort of experience as well? Yeah, the, the, the changes for me in the last five years, I, I've, I was diagnosed with depression five years ago and I, out of nowhere back then, I was like, how can that be? I'm one of the most positive people, optimistic yeah. people, um, and I always have been. But uh, it had been a 10-year kind of progression of stress, which was induced by this business and the amount of involvement and, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week work. Um, wow. not seeing the family regularly and missing out on family events um, and missing out on going to friends' weddings and things like that. It, it was a um, regular cycle of stress and then I'd sit back, start the gym, start to lose weight, start looking after myself, but then I'd slowly get pulled back into working all the hours I was working before. And then on that on that occasion, five years ago, uh doctor said, you've got to stop and you, you're, de you're depressed and you, you're, I was finding myself literally crying in the car or crying uh, in the bathroom and coming around thinking, why the hell am I crying? Everything's good. You know, don't argue with my wife, got four amazing kids, got a fantastic house, got a great yeah. business, got a lot of respect um, with my peers and from customers and um I don't like to call people followers, but people that, um, you know, support me on social media, etc. And I thought, yeah. why am I depressed? Went to, went to see a GP and uh, I was so thankful that I saw she was a young Asian GP that obviously had um, graduated or got qualified in the last year or so. But she asked the right questions and she made me open up. And um, I'm so thankful for her having been there and been the one I saw. Because it would have been very different uh, if I'd seen my regular 60-plus-year-old GP, old-school yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, went through an 18-month cycle of medication, went through a two-, three-year cycle of therapy. But looking back, had I not had that experience, I would have struggled immensely during COVID with the ups and downs of roller coaster emotions, having to close the business, having no income from the business, having the debt mount up, all those things. 
I would not yeah. not cope really well with. Whereas I went into lockdown thinking, okay, I've never had this time off before. Let's make it work. Yeah. I watched Netflix yeah. beyond belief. I slept beyond belief. I had time with my family. And yeah. while that was all going on, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, petrol hedonism, what we're doing, how is it going to work, yeah. what can I do? And I did question myself, am I going to get the energy back that I had? Because I've got an amazing energy, positive energy and work ethic. Will I get it back after all this time off? But as soon as they said we can reopen 4th of July, bang, that month of June was all yeah. prep. We bought a scaffold structure for the uh, cinema night. I sold sponsorship all the way around the, uh, the screen and pre-movies. We reopened the restaurant. We did everything right. And we got busy again. And all that debt that amounted up, we cleared it by September. You know, um, I've, and I know I've got that energy. It's just channeling it right. And I think what I've learned in the last five years is there are toxic people. There are people that you walk around on eggshells and yeah. you just need to avoid them. You need to, I don't want to say eradicate, but you just need to move away from them. You shouldn't rely on them. You shouldn't have them influence in your life. And if yeah. you can identify those people, then it's a case of find. It takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And some people are in relationships with these people and they don't realize it and they just see it as a way of life. Um, so where I am now, I'm just absolutely blessed. And I believe, like you said, it's having that positive energy, having that mindset change. And I've changed my mindset. And so now, like this morning, I've sent something and it was like one of my partners on one of the car events that we're doing and he he felt he'd had some bad news regarding the event. And I just looked at him, I was like, no, that's an opportunity for you to go there, do this, do that. And he's like, sure, it just turned that into a massive positive. That's great. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. I was like, if I hadn't had what I had experienced, if I hadn't have gone into this, that conversation with that mindset, it would have been a completely different doom and gloom kind of situation. But yeah. at the moment, every single day, every single conversation, it's a positive one. And every time I get hit with something negative, I smash it with a positive. Yeah. What was your what, what was your reaction, Chiro, when when you were told that look, um, you know, you've got depression? How did you that what 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 was your first kind of immediate reaction? You know, because you as a man and as a businessman and as a father and somebody that you know, I've got a lot of friends that look up to me, but I don't want anybody to look up to me. I just want to you know, be on the same level as everybody. I, it was hard. It was a hard pill to swallow. And that, that's really important that we come back to that pill uh, that I just mentioned because going to the GP was a massive, massive step. Opening up to my wife before I went to the GP was a massive step. But as soon as I opened up to my wife, it, you get that relief wash over you. And that relief is like something you, you can't quantify or understand unless you've been in that situation. But as a man, you're kind of taught not to even acknowledge it. There's nothing wrong yeah. with you. You just got to keep pushing through, keep pushing through. And yeah. that, yeah, but that is the worst thing you can do. So there were steps to it. So it was like talking to my wife about it. And she forced me to talk to her about it. She forced it out of me. And um, she saved me in a lot of ways. And made me make that appointment with the GP. Then I was lucky enough to see the right GP because obviously you go to practice, there's 10 of them there and I could have seen my older one, but I saw this young um, 
open thinking uh, GP and she was fantastic. She prescribed me medication. I took the medication home and I could not take that tablet. And again, my wife held my hand as I took it. And that was the first step. But there's so many first steps. And I think that's why people find mental health, mental health really difficult because it's not easy to deal with it, to acknowledge it, to accept it. But once you start accepting it and it's a, it's a massive moment of personal development, personal growth. And it was the start of a journey for me, which led me into the therapy. I had two different therapists over that time, uh, qualified professionals. You've got your hour with them outside the hour. You don't speak to them or email them, text them or anything. You have that hour dedicated to you. Um, and you go away thinking about a lot of things and they help you. You don't realize it at the time, but they're getting you to question yourself, question your actions, work out how you feel. And one of the things I never, ever realized was anxiety. The amount of anxiety that I had experienced over the years, it was like a pain in my chest. When you feel like you're having a heart attack, yeah. it's actually anxiety. And it's, it, you get so anxious that it becomes a physical pain. Um, so there's a lot of learning. And now, for instance, I know I can get anxious and I know how to deal with it. I know I can get negative, but I know how to deal with it. And I think anybody that's listening, they just have to start that journey. No matter how difficult it is, it can get better. And tell you what, I turned, I turned 40 and that's when I got diagnosed with depression. And um, it's been four years, five years now, and I'm in a much better place. But it takes time and you get to some really dark places. But you've got to get out of there and there is people that can help you i suppose also i think i think a big thing which i which i've learned is that it's not it's not like physical health where you go to a gp you, your arm is broken you get it fixed and then and, and then you're done with mental health it is different isn't it it's you you have to sort of learn to live with it right yeah um it's learn to live with it but also Having the, I'll go back to it, having the right people around you. Um, I've yeah. got one of my bestest buddies, uh, Baz, up in Scotland. Um, met him through Instagram, through cars, and we went out to Valencia on a um, Lamborghini driving experience in October 2016. The month, month I got diagnosed, we went out there and had three days talking to him. And the way we spoke about it and what he made me think about in that weekend through the various conversations has literally shaped me and I thank him regularly for that because it wasn't just him but he was the first person to start me on this journey of realizing that there's people that don't demand things of you that there's people out there that just want to naturally be your friend because they like you as a person not because of what you represent or or what you can do for them and yeah, you kind of feel like people used you. You kind of feel like people uh, took advantage of you and didn't consider what your needs are. But then you find this level where it's unconditional. And with my wife, with the kids, with my mum, it's always been an unconditional kind of love there. Yeah. And so you you didn't realise that that can exist between friends as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the acknowledgement understanding growth is is a phenomenal journey i'm not saying i don't suffer now um i've just had an amazing weekend with four events in two days 
running on adrenaline, getting up at six in the morning, being on it straight away. And I know that tomorrow I'll crash because the adrenaline just comes down. I know I'm going to crash tomorrow. So what do I do? I set myself up. I've got a busy day. I'm going to leave the house at seven o'clock in the morning. I've got a meeting at nine o'clock. I've got another one at 11. I've got dinner at 6.30 in Tottenham. Just literally the whole day, bang, bang, bang. And I'll get over that adrenaline crash. So then Thursday, I'm just yeah. normal. But again, yeah. it's taken me 44 years to realize that about myself. Yeah. It's amazing. It's I think I think self awareness is so so important. Um, you mentioned a couple of things about you know um, you know in whereas before you were obviously working ridiculous hours and it, it built up over time to you know the, the the mental health kind of challenges that you faced. Um, obviously now it's a bit different because now you're learning, learning to kind of you know, to put in place these kind of mechanisms. From a practical perspective, Chiro, what is it that you what else do you sort of practically practice, if you like, uh, to kind of manage uh, your kind of your, your your mental health, I guess? Again, another part of the development process was this change in my focus for businesses and what I do and doing something I love, being able to build a brand, build businesses off the back of what I love. Um, I'd said to my wife when I was like 35, but a time I'm 50, I just want to be working in cars, doing cars. And I didn't know what that would be. I opened up a car storage business three, four years ago and closed it after a year and a bit because I was just losing money. I couldn't dedicate my time to it full time because of the hotel and how busy this was. Um, and that failed. And we have to have failures to have successes. Um, I, I learned a lot from that experience and then with what COVID hit us with and stuff. I think one of the things is understanding what you can achieve and do for yourself, having the right people around you, as I said earlier. But for me right now, I'm experiencing good stress. And this is the first time in my life I'm experiencing good stress. And I was blown away in February when I had a day out and I was so busy all day and I left the house at 5.30 in the morning, I did 8,000 miles during lockdown three, setting up right. this year, having business meetings, legitimately being able to, allowed to travel with my car to do what I was doing. Yeah. The Porsche was covered in stickers, sponsors that uh, believe yeah. in me, that we're working together with. And I went out and that day I got home and I said, how's your day been? And I looked at her, I was like, I haven't stopped. I've done this, 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 this. I was like, but I've not been stressed. And it was like, kind of like a realisation moment. I was like, wow. I've done all this. I haven't stopped. It's now 9.30 at night. I've just walked in. I've literally done a 14-hour day and I'm not stressed. It took a little while to sink in. And now I look back and I say, last three months I've not been stressed. I've had good stress. And if you're doing something you love and you're really passionate about it, Honestly, if I can tell my 16-year-old daughter anything, because she's looking at what she wants to do and stuff like that, if she's got a passion for something, if she's got something she really wants to do, it might take 10 years to become that the best person in that game or be recognised for what you do locally, but 10 years is the time you need to build yourself up to get the right contacts, to work in your field, get the relationships. Yeah. And again, one of the things I've always done, whether it's a wedding here at a hotel, whether it's car show contacts, anything else is build relationships. And I have one-on-one -on -one personal relationships with people. That's what's yeah. made everything a success, whether it's the hotel, whether it's the car shows, having the one-on-one -on -one relationships, those relationships I have are more valuable than my social media. 
so so it's so such an important nugget there you know um starting with what you have a passion for is just so so important and um, for you chiro where where does where, where did your passion for cars start? Was it something that you were born with, or was it something which you had developed over time? What what's your kind of story with cars? So I think born with the Matchbox car eras and having the one to eighteen models and stuff like that, I just yeah. had them. But then I had where that sparked. But when I was really young, my granddad on my mum's side, um, he used to take me to see my uncle, his son who was mini racing and they'd go mini racing on grass tracks and we'd go to that on a Saturday, Sunday, I'd have my, uh, my work workshop overalls type thing. And I'd just be with them in the pits and stuff. And that's my uncle Angelo. He kind of bred the passion in me because being around the cars with him, my cousin Bert, who's one of my chief marshals, um, he literally sparked it. And I remember my granddad had cars in his garage, whether it was an Alpha Sud at the time that they were doing up. You know, you're talking 19, early 1980s when I was about five, six years old. Whether it's his Opal, I think it was not an Opal Cadet, but it was, it was a sexy car. It was an Opal. And I've never called a Vauxhall or an Opal sexy, but this one was. I can't remember which one it was. We spoke about it last year, but I can't remember which one it was. But, um, it was my granddad and my Uncle Angelo that really got into cars. And when it came to me driving, I remember back then Uncle Angelo gave me the keys to one of his customer's minis and I took it around the field. I absolutely ruined this car. It was a customer's <laughs> car, but I learned to drive in that mini. And so we used to go oh mini God. racing. Um, and he used to have Lotus Eclat. He used to be, you know, love cars and stuff. And I just think it built up from then. The matchbox cars I had, I've still got. The one to 18 models I had, I've still got, and I keep buying more. Um, and I think, you know, we, we opened the hotel 2006 and I did my first Italian car and bike day and it was here. He passed away, I think it was 2009 or 10, uh, uh, through cancer. Um, and his son Bert still helps me to this day with all the car shows and it's our kind of way of, well, my way of thanking him for that passion. Yeah, that's amazing. emotional, really. That's amazing. That's amazing. Where where do you see? Um, I mean, it's such a great name, petrol hedonism. Um, where do you see it? Uh, sort of like, what's your kind of your overarching vision for it, uh, Chiro? So my new hashtag is Omnipresenza. So Omnipresenza okay. is born from uh, a biblical kind of uh, sense, as in petrol hedonism everywhere. And that's where I want it to be. And I was with Ricky living life fast. Uh, Sunday, he came to my event and um, we were walking over to get an ice cream. And he just said to me, Chiro, you're killing it at the moment, man. You're like, petrol hedonism is everywhere. And I just looked at him and said, hashtag Omnipresenza. And <laughs> petrol hedonism started off as a hashtag in 2017 that I started using it. And now I'm getting, I'll follow the, obviously the hashtag and like people are using it all over the world. Um, I kind of created a word in that text message I mentioned earlier. Now people are using it, but petrol hedonism has evolved as well. So I've got petrolhedonism.club, which is the umbrella for everything I do. You've got petrol hedonism live, which is the massive event at, uh, Nebworth concert style with Richard Rawlins, gas monkey coming over. Got petrolhedonism.club nights, which are our month, 
monthly meet at Findon. We've got Petrol Hedonism Performance and Motorsport, which is uh, my name under license to um, a friend's garage that have evolved, they've grown, they've moved into new premises with eight ramps from what they had four ramps. Um, they've got a showroom there. There's so much going on there, and uh, it just everything makes sense for us to have Petrol Hedonism Performance and Motorsport because the plan is to go into and have a race team in something somewhere in the next couple of years. We've got Ollie Brown as our um, adopted racing driver who is, he is honestly, anybody can, I challenge anybody listening to me, we'll go out, same car, same track, you versus Ollie Brown, you will not beat him. There's Ollie Brown, best racing driver I've ever seen. And I've had people go out with him that just literally cannot believe his skills. And most of the time, he's quietly confident. He'll say, well, I was only pushing it to 80% of my capabilities because it wasn't my car. So if it was his car and doing 100%, you know, he went out in a GT series a month ago in a car he'd never driven before and at a track that he didn't know too well. He got pole and he won the race first first time out. You know, GT4 Vantage. So we've got that happening. We've got the merch store happening. Um, the ambassadors, the ambassador scheme is flying. Um, we've got new merch coming out. And again, one of the new hashtags is petrolhead.club, hashtag La Familia, which is kind of harping back to Fast and Furious, the family. Uh, also, yeah. like my roots being yeah. Italian. And a lot of people want to not i'm not saying they want to belong but they are part of it it's part of it and yeah. when we first yeah. petro hedonism and my daughter was involved in that we um she went to school one day and one of the kids at school just said to her what's this petrol hedonism is it is it like a religion and i looked at her go that is sick because it's a we're all messengers yeah. and it's a movement and yeah. one of the hashtags yeah. we use petrol hedonism it's a religion and so then with the whole way it's progressed this year, I've looked at it all and, I, you know, it's as if, like, this whole petrol heads of thing is a movement for all petrol heads. A movement, yeah. And that's, I think, really important. It's for all petrol heads, whether it's highly modified classics, Americana, supercars, sports cars, uh, anything and everything. You've got passion for bikes, cars, anything automotive is part of the petrol hedonism umbrella. And when she said that, I came up with the hashtag. It's a religion. We're all we're all messengers, and then we're trying to just literally be everywhere. We're in the pits at the GT Cup Series. We're we're in performance and motorsport with the garage. It's literally omnipresenter, which is omnipresence, and that's like being everywhere. Yeah, I mean the way I mean the way you describe it, it really sounds. And having having sort of looked it up online as well, it it, it comes across to me as a as a community. Uh, of of like-minded people who love cars or love anything with an engine in and it's just a great way of bringing people together to celebrate you know what is what is a real joint passion um and i just i absolutely love that absolutely love that um chira what is perhaps the most fulfilling part of 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 what you do so i think i'm that kind of character that i love making people happy. I like um, trying to keep everyone happy. And I guess that kind of leads to the bad stress as well, because if you, you're not always in control of certain things at events, etc. And if not everybody's happy, you could have here at the hotel, New Year's Eve, 400 people having an amazing time, but one person complains, that complaint sticks with you. You could have a, a yeah. thousand people like your photo on Instagram, but one person tells you it's shit for whatever reason. 
that sticks with you. So the negative always seems to outweigh all the positives, but you've got to learn to get over that. We're going back to mental health again. But um, I think, what was the question again? Uh, fulfillment. What what part of oh, it right. kind of fulfillment? Yeah, so I just want to love seeing people having a good time. I love seeing people yeah. happy. I think that's what ultimately drives me. I love, I love what I do. I love being stressed, whether it's good or bad. Uh, it, what's you know, you thrive on it. You got to understand that about yourself. Some people want to be busy, need to be busy. They need to thrive on that energy of being busy. Like um, if you're sat at home doing absolutely nothing, you have got nothing to look forward to. You kind of get to the point where you could end up being depressed or negative and negative thoughts take over, but you can keep yourself busy. You can keep yourself out there. Uh, I've always had this thing, whether it's with my wife or with the kids, we have our holidays normally planned for the next two years where we're going Easter, where we're going summer. So we always have something to look forward to together. Um, So what drives me is seeing people come together and making people happy, seeing people happy, seeing people enjoy themselves. So whether it's at the hotel with weddings, functions, charity balls, you know, it was about seeing people having a good time and being kind of responsible for that. Because if you do a wedding and the food shit and the music shit and the venue's not great, they're not going to leave. And from my point of view, it's an approach is they're coming there, they're coming to have a good time. Let's ensure they have a good time because they're going to come back, whether it's for a car show, for a restaurant. And that's always been my approach to the business. With the car shows, I want them to come back again. I want my sponsors, my event partners to say, Chira, that worked really well. Let's do it again next year, but let's do it bigger because that's the natural growth. So that's the main driver for me is bringing people together and seeing them happy. And again, one of our hashtags is sharing the passion. I want them to feel, even if it's a little bit of what I've got, I want them to feel that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, we we touched on uh, very quickly. Um, you know, um, your your advice for your daughter, your advice for your younger self. Uh, I want to kind of, do you mind just expanding a little bit on that in terms of, you know, if, if there were sort of three to five, you know, piece of advice you would give to young people right now. What would that be, Chiro? Follow your heart, follow your mind. Um, do something you're really interested in. Whether that means you're, you know, you're 10 years old and you're interested in science, then follow that interest because that interest could become a passion. That passion could become your business, could be your career. Yeah. And... Yeah. Maybe I made some wrong decisions early on in terms of my course in my degree. You know, I never followed a passion in cars. I went through what I thought was right. I did languages, then I did finance, then I did this. And I've never felt this way about work in my life. And it's taken me to the age of 44 to do that. So if I can tell you now, and you're 10, 12, 14, 15 years old, I can tell you, do something you're interested in or passionate about focus on it you may not think there's a business in it your careers advisor may tell you there isn't a business in it but you could be turning around three four years later and carved yourself out a niche that you didn't even know existed yeah yeah you know we're all driven by money we're all driven by what we want to own and material things and that's something else the material things are a lot more important earlier on in life when you get to the age now you've got to stop sometimes look either side of you see and see what you've got 
I've got an amazing wife. I've got four fantastic kids. I've got a stable house. We're lucky. We've got a nice big garden. Lockdown one was amazing. We had like everybody had their own space, but then we all came together. And you just need to sometimes stop and take stock of what you've got. And even at a young age, like some people are driven differently. And I've got friends that had a really, really bad upbringing, but that drove them to want to be different and be better and, and not have that for their kids. And different drivers will be there for different people. But you've got, you got to find the positive. You've got to find, even in the darkest tunnel where there's no light switch and you can't see the light, you've just got to find the positive and start smashing those negatives and do something with it. So, so important. So, so important. Um, Chira, I want to um, finish off by asking, um, what would you want your, your legacy to be? I don't know about legacy. I just want to drive and smile. That's me. Yeah. Um, there was a moment last week when I was literally driving home from work and this lorry came over to my lane. We were doing 60 miles an hour on a 60 mile an hour road, so he must have been doing the same. Huge lorry, like juggernaut style and all I saw was my life flash in front of my eyes and I've only told this to my wife but in that moment I saw me my wife my kids and we're at a car show so now I know what I'll see in that last last moment and that was pure happiness because wife kids and a car show (laughs) you know um, wow that was close the guy with the lorry literally literally pulled back into his lane at the last second. God. That is, that so, is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, My God. Wow. What sort of cry? God, that is, that is phenomenal. Um, finally, um, Chiro, where can people find you? <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Omnipresenza everywhere. So, uh, literally last night we, we had 53,000 followers on um, TikTok and one of the videos that I posted a month ago has gone crazy literally gone 53,000 to 106,000 followers overnight like God. it's great we've, we've set, up, set it up as a my, my 11 year old daughter said dad you need TikTok dad you need TikTok so I thought it was all about dancing and stuff but we're doing car stuff on there um, and she set it up as a creator fund as well so there's about £35 in the creator fund so we can get ice cream on holiday and stuff but yeah, if you just look up petrol hedonism so petrol head on ism it's a play on the hedonism which is like the uh, pleasure parties I guess so you've got play on petrol head petrol head hedonism put that together um but you can find us on tiktok instagram www.petrolhedonism.club we're on um facebook as well petrolhedonism.club literally i'm on linkedin as well as myself but if you search petrol hedonism you'll find us literally google it and you'll find the information the website has most of the events coming up some of the events people messaged me said oh how did i not know about this one they're private events with private clubs that book us out and um, invite their members but there's a lot of public events as well numbers are still restricted a bit because of covid um but yeah, we used to have 1500 2000 people on our big supercar sundays 
We've got Supercar Sunday on the 6th of June coming up, and it's limited to 700 people. So um, there's limits at the moment in place, so uh, it's important to get in early. But Petrol Hedonism Live in September. Again, I had a dream of bringing Richard Rawlings over. I've been a massive fan for years, watching the first episode to the very latest. And through contacts on my car shows and relationships I've built, I've got to know Big Chris in America really well. He's my friend Craig's good friend. He's taken me on as a good friend as well. We're close and he works for Richard and we've worked it together to bring Richard over. I had another gentleman who's actually in the other room at the moment. He came to see me about doing a large scale Salon Privé style event and I was like, no, 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 we don't want to do Salon Privé. We want to make it more about the people and the cars. Sharing a passion. Real cars, real people. All my hashtags coming together in one thing. Let's do a big scale car show. So big that we can afford to bring Richard Rawlins over. He's going to be the, yeah. the big draw. But then we've got Koenigsegg Regera, We've got Bugattis. We've got hypercar enclosure worth over £50 million. Yeah. I honestly believe by the time we get to that event, the hypercar enclosure will be £200 million plus. So wow. all those things coming together for this massive concert style event in September. But already we're looking at May, September next year for putting on two next year. We're already looking at how the collaborations with Tucked Automotive, Max Power Reunion, and uh, there's a couple of other ones, big ones I can't mention at the moment, but literally something's happening every week and something new is developing every week. And Petrol Hedonism, where it is now, to where it will be in October, if you take a screenshot of all the socials, I know it's going to be absolutely huge. Richard Rawlings has got 18 million followers across his Facebook and Instagram. They're sharing out our event as well. It's wow. it's amazing what's happening at the moment. And then I'm going to SEMA in November, which I'm hoping by the time I get to SEMA, some amazing things are going to happen. We've already bagged a sponsor for that. Um, and we're going to be literally two weeks in America. And that'll be like, that's as far as I'm going with my year looking towards that. And then nothing beyond that. Cause then it's Christmas. I want some time off, but yeah, yeah, it's all really positive yeah. and exciting. Super exciting. Chiro, thank you so much for joining us on the Behind the World podcast. I really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, look forward to hopefully seeing more of you later on in the future.